As we now think a little bit more about Daniel, there are a couple of things that it's important to remember. The first thing is that Daniel at this stage was actually quite an old man, probably in his 80s. And the second thing is that he's now serving under the king Darius, who is a new king um, with a new kingdom. But you see, from a young age, Daniel worked closely with the king of Babylon. Primarily an interpreter, Daniel would interpret dreams for the king until he eventually became promoted to an administrative role under King Darius. As we heard earlier, he appointed 120 satraps to rule over Babylon and placed three administrators over them. But Daniel was distinguished above the others. His success was due to the way he worked. He was honest. He was uncompromising. He was trustworthy. And because of this, King Darius planned to put him in charge of the whole of his kingdom. That's made the others jealous. They weren't happy that it was him and not them. They didn't like the fact that Daniel would be in charge of them. So, in an attempt to find something wrong with him, they wanted to discredit him. They wanted to make sure the king didn't go ahead with his plans. But of course, they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find a single thing wrong because he was a man who had perfect conduct, who lived beyond reproach. He wasn't corrupt. There was nothing they could find whatsoever. He was trustworthy, worked hard, and he was a man of God. They couldn't find anything wrong because he was so faithful in his duties. He was flawless in his character. And even these men who were not men of God could see what a godly man Daniel was and how important to him his faith was. They finally agreed that they'd never find anything wrong with him unless it had something to do with the law of his God. So I wonder, when people look at us, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether wherever it is that we are, do they see someone like Daniel? Someone who's faithful and diligent in their work. Someone who has a good reputation. Someone who is devoted to God. Imagine that your enemies decided to check you out like Daniel's enemies checked him out. Suppose every part of your life was investigated. Public, private, past, present. What would people find? I'm not sure any of us would survive the kind of scrutiny that Daniel did. Try as they might, his enemies couldn't find anything wrong with the way he conducted his life. He lived a life that was so fully devoted to God that even non-Christians could see that. Well, even people who didn't believe in that God could see that. But they had to find something, or more to the point, they had to create something. And one thing that stood out was his predictability in his prayer time. He prayed every day, three times a day, in the same place, in the same way. Daniel lived such a godly life that a scheme to have him arrested for worshipping God was their only way of ruining his name, or at least getting him out of the picture. So they set their trap. They asked King Darius to set a 30-day law forbidding anyone to pray to anyone except for Darius himself. In effect, they said, Oh, King, how would you like to be God? How would you like to try being God for a month? Sure, why not? That appealed to his pride. Why not be God for a month? It might be fun. So Darius signed the law, knowing that once it was done, there was no way of changing it, no way of going back on it, not even he could change his mind. 
They had no idea that Daniel was the intended target. They knew, the administrators knew that Daniel would break this new law, that he'd keep on praying just as he's always done. He was a victim of his own integrity. He was predictably faithful to God. And if he'd been any less dedicated or devoted to God, then this plan actually wouldn't have worked. His troubles came not from his weakness, but from his strength. You see, Daniel was devoted to God. It was evident in every part of his life. Imagine you were him for a moment. You discover that your enemies have passed a new law aimed at one person, and that one person is you. We know, how would you feel about that? What would you do? Well, we know what Daniel did. He went home to his upstairs room where he opened his windows toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he'd done before. And that's the key right there, just as he'd done before. For many, many years, Daniel had prayed just in the same way. He wasn't going to stop now. Imagine doing something three times a day for 80-odd years. It would become so normal. No wonder he simply went back to his room and started praying. No wonder, because he had such a relationship with God. His relationship was so central in his life. And Darius had been deceived. It wasn't his fault. He'd issued this new law. He just carried... But Daniel carried on, as he always did. There are many things that we can learn from Daniel's devotion to God. First of all, think about who he is. He's one of the top three administrators in the whole kingdom. That's power. That's responsibility. That's busyness, I imagine. Yet, even amidst that power, responsibility, and that busyness, he still has time and still makes time to three times a day pray to his God. And his prayer life was so important that he was willing to face some hungry lions rather than stop or change the way he prayed. He could have just closed the windows and prayed. He could have prayed somewhere else. He could have just gone along with it on the surface because it was only 30 days. It would be over soon enough. But Daniel didn't compromise. He decided that a long time ago he would, deser- he would serve God no matter what. And Daniel's decision to defy King Darius wasn't a spur-of-the-moment act of rebellion. His confidence and courage in the lion's den wasn't even a supernatural um, surge of strength either. In reality, each of Daniel's heroic moments in this situation happened because of choices he'd made many years ago. They happened because he'd lived a life fully dedicated to God. He didn't discover his courage when he faced the lions. Instead, his courage was developed and strengthened from the moment he decided to commit his life to God. He had no fear when it came to facing the lions because I imagine a man of such faith had experienced many times God rescuing him from situations, God being faithful, God protecting him. He knew he could trust God because it had happened in the past. He had a lifetime of trusting God, so God, of course, wouldn't let him down now. But Daniel faced an impossible situation, and I wonder how many of us would have responded the way he did. For us in this day and age, we don't tend to face that kind of difficulty. Um, Not here, anyway. People in other countries do. We've heard about it in our prayers of intercession. People in other parts of the world most certainly do suffer for their faith. But what I think we don't realise is how fortunate we are that we can pray whenever, wherever, no matter what, where we are. 
we're free to worship freely. And that's a freedom. We have a freedom to live Christian lives when so many people don't have that luxury. Pavel Polos, a man who was exiled from Russia in 1987, said, In Russia, Christians are tested by hardship. But in America, and insert United Kingdom there, because it's the same thing, you're tested by freedom. And testing by freedom is much harder. Nobody pressures you about your religion. So you relax and are not so concentrated on Christ, on his teaching, on how he wants you to live. And that is true here, isn't it? We're tested by freedom. Christianity is a choice out of many choices, and it's seen as an additional sort of pastime, if you feel like it, for some people. And so our level of devotion to God seems to be a choice too. We're free to follow him with the whole of our lives, and we're free not to. But perhaps we should be a bit more like Daniel, who was totally and utterly devoted to God throughout his whole life. So the plan had been hatched anyway against him. His actions remained unchanged, and King Darius had been deceived. One summer morning in the late 1920s, a Scotsman named Arthur Ferguson stood idly in London's Trafalgar Square. As he watched, an obviously well-to-do American man was admiring the uh, statue of the Admiral Lord Nelson and the column that it rested upon. Struck with a sudden inspiration, Ferguson put his remarkable selling ability to work and sold Nelson's column to the American for about $30,000, lions included. Not one to rest on his laurels, he uh, went on from there to sell the famous clock Big Ben to another American for five grand. He took £10,000 from another one as a down payment on Buckingham Palace. And by the time justice had caught up with him, he'd added the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty to the list of his amazing sales. He spent several years in prison for his remarkable deceptions. But imagine being one of those people. Imagine that moment when you realise that you've been tricked. Now imagine being King Darius. Imagine realising that you've set a law against the man you most trust in the whole of your kingdom. In fact, the man you were going to trust with the running of your kingdom. Imagine how you would feel if that happened. Well, Darius realised he'd been tricked, but there was nothing he could do. Nothing at all. Even he couldn't change his law. So all he could do was wish Daniel well. And he said, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Now, on the face of it, that's a nice thing to say. But actually... This was a pagan society, so for the king of that pagan society to even say that to Daniel means that he's been affect- he obviously is thinking that God can save him. You see, that's some testimony to the reality of Daniel's faith in God. Even Darius recognised his true faith in God and respected it. I'm guessing he wouldn't have been saying that if his example of faith had been a bit wishy-washy or a bit here and there. Daniel had shown a consistent faith in God and the king had seen it. And you know, that can happen with us too. Wherever we find ourselves, whether it's at work, school, wherever it is, then just by doing the little things consistently, just by living out a Christian life without compromise, people can see the difference in us and can see the difference it makes to us. Even the little things that seem uh, insignificant might show somebody that you're different. Maybe it's that you're not creative with your timesheet at work, the way that some others are. Maybe it's that you make an extra effort to speak to someone who looks a bit lonely. 
It might not be much, but to someone else it can make a huge difference. So I want to encourage you to be diligent in the small things, to work hard in the everyday things, to be open about your faith in the places you find yourself day in, day out, whether it's, well, wherever it is we are, because God can use our simple obedience to him to make a difference to others. But back to Daniel. I've said it a few times already, I'll say it again. He did nothing outside of his ordinary routine. But his faithfulness in the ordinary made room for God to do the extraordinary. His enemies caught him praying and reported him to the king, at the same time reminding him that he couldn't go back on his law. And then he was thrown into lion's den and a boulder was placed on top. It was a simple but very effective form of capital punishment. No one ever got out alive, especially someone Daniel's age. Daniel was as good as dead from the moment they threw him in there, or so they thought. And finally, I want us to think about four things that Daniel didn't do. The first is that Daniel didn't try and escape the consequences of his decision. He could have bargained with the king and said, you know what, I, uh, I'm sorry for doing that and I, I don't worship God anymore. He could have made excuses. He could have simply just compromised on his faith, but he didn't. Knowing the consequences, he stuck to what he believed. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen. He trusted God for the outcome, which takes a massive amount of courage. Daniel didn't make a deal with God to save him. He could have done. He could have been bargaining with God, or if you save me, I'll do this. And I'm sure we've all been there. Or if if this works out, all right, I promise I won't do that ever again. And you bargain with God. I'm sure we've done it. And it's not a good thing to do. And in the middle of all that, Darius didn't sleep. He knew he'd made a mistake. He knew he'd messed up. But he knew that the man he trusted could possibly die, probably would die. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot because he was his right-hand man. But the fourth thing Daniel didn't do was Daniel didn't die. (laughs) I know that's obvious. That is a little bit obvious, but he wasn't afraid to die. He might have suspected that God would rescue him, but he wouldn't have known that until the time came. He was probably a little bit anxious when they took him into the pit because, well, who wouldn't be? But he will have been praying to God to save him. And that is exactly what happened. We know that God sent an angel to close the mouth of the lions and that no harm came to him. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said these words, If a man hasn't discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Daniel had discovered something worth dying for, which was why he kept on praying when others would have quit. Since he wasn't afraid to die, he had the courage to live for God in a hostile world. It's true that God didn't prevent him from facing the lions, which he could have done, but he went with him. That's why when morning came, he was still alive and unharmed, and they pulled him out with no marks on him at all. Verse 23 tells us why that miracle happened. It says, because he trusted in his God. Nothing fancy there. For over 80 years, Daniel's faith had rested in the God of Israel. That wasn't about to change. He simply kept on trusting God, and as a result, the lions couldn't touch him. Living a life of faith sometimes requires us to trust God to do impossible things. The end of the story is a tad gruesome. Uh, The people who'd helped set the trap ended up being the victim of it, along with their wives and children. Um, And Darius, well, he made a decree that Daniel's God had had to be feared. A once 
pagan king had come to know the true God for himself because of Daniel's actions. And the point is this. It's possible to live a pure life in the midst of an unchristian world. Daniel's story demonstrates that if you make up your mind to serve God, you can do it in the most difficult of circumstances. We should accept that not everyone shares our faith, but see our work and how we spend our time as an opportunity to serve God wherever he has placed us. You can be a Christian at work, in the office, at school, in the street that you live. There's loads of ways which you could compromise your faith, but there are always ways to obey God without compromising. The choice is ours. Yes, it might be difficult and it might not make us popular, but the choice is still ours to make. And yes, we'll probably face some level of opposition, but nothing like a bunch of hungry lions. Daniel had his share of opposition, but he lived a blameless life. If you set out to live for God at some point, trouble will probably come your way. But you know, God will be with you through that. And God can use our simple obedience to touch the lives of others. Daniel's personal integrity had a huge impact for good on the most powerful man in the whole kingdom. We never know who is watching us or what they're looking for, but this teaches us that not everyone who isn't a Christian hates Christians. Quite often people are just curious and want to see whether our lives are genuine and whether our faith is one worth having. And one final thing we need to remember is that God can save his people from whatever danger they face. If God can save Daniel from the lions, then he can save us from our situations. And one of the most interesting things about that story is that actually, Daniel isn't a hero, but God is. It's God who did the saving. Daniel simply trusted him to do it. He always he lived the life he'd always lived, unwilling to compromise because of what people were saying. Living a life of faith like Daniel did is about being totally, fully devoted to following God in the big things, in the risky decisions, but actually in the everyday little things of our lives. God can use the stuff of every day to make a difference to those around us and speak through us to show more of him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that whatever situations we face, we know that you are with us. We thank you that you can use our lives to speak to others of you, even in some small way. We thank you that you will never leave us and that you will always be with us, guiding us and protecting us. Lord, help us to trust in you. Amen.